WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom-built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach. From funding the finance, set up the staffing. Our CEO coaches break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup, management, and development. The founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Welcome to CEO Coach. This is Jillian Music, co-founder of Moz, with my partner, Ann Kennedy, author of Global Search Engine Marketing. Together, we are serial entrepreneurs. We help companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. You can find out more about us at outlinesventure.com. Welcome, Ann. Hi, Jillian. How are you today? I'm doing well. I uh, read an interesting article recently, and I thought we might want to chat about it. Um, Remember the one I shared with you about Ken Norton's keynote? Right, at the Mind the Product conference in London um, late last year. Yeah. Yes, I thought that was really quite interesting. Can we put a uh, link to this on our Facebook page? You bet we will, and um, I also might as well give them a little bit of a boost. Mind the Product is coming to San Francisco in May, the same conference. Uh, So, But what he was talking about, which I thought was kind of interesting and maybe worth some discussion between you and and me and see if we can illuminate this a little bit, how you want to go for a 10 times, a 10x improvement rather than a 10% improvement. Right. We spend so much time talking about iteration of a good idea, right? Dave McClure talks about this all the time. He says, don't go out trying to find, you know, monster things to do. Just iterate on something that's already done or even well done. Make it a little bit better and you'll have, you know, that better mousetrap. That's the way to go. And I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of wisdom in that. A lot of people talk about it. What about this entirely other flip side of the coin? And this guy is saying, nope, you do that. It's the road to failure. So what do you think? Well, I think we could take a look at a venerable company, Kodak, and what has happened to Kodak. What I didn't know. That was his example, right? That was Ken's example. It was his example. And what I didn't know until I read Ken Norton's article is that Kodak actually invented the digital camera. And they did that in 1975. That is 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. They invented the digital camera. But yeah, what happened? Away, doesn't it? Yeah. What mm-hmm. the Kodak execs apparently told their engineer who created this uh, wonderful, very boxy <laughs> digital camera. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. Just don't tell anybody about it. Now, right. why did they do that? Yeah, yeah. The don't tell anybody about it. What they were doing was mitigating the risk. They were mitigating the risk that somebody wouldn't want to buy their current product and they owned the space. It was, you know, I mean, they kind of had the control of the global market for cameras. There were very few others that really held anywhere near a candle to what they were doing and they were, you know, a thousand candle foot. <laughs> so, right, you get that. But the point is that they were mitigating risk rather than approaching the next level of what was possible. We could argue that they were uh, acting to preserve their brand. But maybe the the faulty word in that phrase is preserve, which is what to do to old stuff. Now, they weren't preserving the brand. In the end, they killed their brand, right? They were preserving short-term profitability of their product line and then the cost of the brand. 
Yep. Right. Right. The Boeing company um, kind of did something similar that didn't cost them their whole brand, but they did this with winglets. Most airplanes had, you know, well, all airplanes, I guess, had flat wings. And then some guy inside the Boeing company invented this thing where the wing would tip up and it had all kinds of advantages, stability. And I, I think it was better for mileage. I mean, all kinds of things. Right. And Boeing didn't build it inside. This guy left and built it himself. Now, it didn't destroy the Boeing brand, and Boeing buys those things from this guy, but they could have made them. Now, whether they decided that it wasn't their core competency or whatever it is, we do see this happening again and again. Like Ken, for example, he talked about not just Kodak, but he also talked about the watches, the Swiss watches, which I've talked about for years as well, right, where that somebody inside a Swiss company, watch company, had created the first digital watch. And the company was so, you know, uninterested. I mean, it's not like they shut them down. They didn't say, don't tell anybody about this, right? They were so disinterested that this guy said, well, we've already got a table or whatever at the, you know, the big watch, you know, show. What, you know, do you care if we take this with it? Yeah, yeah, go, but don't spend any more time on it. And they went, and a couple of folks from Japan stopped by at the table and said, what's this? And they took it, and Seiko is, you know, the one that launched it. It yep. was, you know, and they decimated the Swiss watch company, right? Well, not right. just the company. They decimated the entire Swiss watch, like all of them, brands, right? Well, I'm not sure decimated is the right word because there are still people who will buy a $10,000 Rolex, even though it doesn't keep time as well as the $10 Casio, um, uh-huh. for the status. And Yes, I'm, they will. It, but it certainly changed the nature of their market in a very big way. Right. And I would still say it still decimates them. I get that they're selling the things for, if you will, the high brand and all of that. And it's a piece of jewelry, but that's what they've become. They've become a piece of jewelry. It no longer is the standard in watches around the world. Now, they survived, but they had to change their entire focus and and market, right? They can only sell to wealthy people who can afford expensive jewelry. That's true. Right. And And there are 7 billion people on the planet who want to watch. And while film is making a minor, minor comeback among photography aficionados, Kodak is nowhere near the giant, nor does it have control of the market the way it once did. Right. So these are all interesting things. And I don't know exactly where I'm going to fall on, you know, whether everybody should go for the big 10x win and go for that new product. I mean, these are interesting stories, but we should kind of bring it back home here. What we're talking about is whether or not you should consider a 10x iteration of a good thing, even your own good thing, product, service, whatever, or whether you should go for the, you know, 100x uh, a possibility, this, this 10 times. So we should kind of get into the numbers a little bit, Anne, don't you think? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to do that after the break? I think that uh, we have a couple minutes to at least introduce the uh, concept of decision okay. theory, uh, okay. which was something new to me. And decision theory, if you have a chance, a 99% chance that something you're going to do is going to make you another $1 million, that actually works out to $990,000. Okay, got that number? Hold that right. in your head. Right, 99%. 
of making a million. A million is a little bit less than a million, $990,000, right? Right. Okay. So not quite a million bucks. Okay. Balance that against a 1% chance of adding a billion dollars in expected value. So 1% of a billion bucks is 10 million. The first number, not quite 1,990. The next one, 10 million, 10 times and more. So So that's where you get that 10x versus, you know, uh, the 10%. So that's kind of breathtaking, but which would you rather go for? Well, again, modern companies in the third stage, right? We keep talking about stage one, two, and three. Stage one, you play in the mud. It's seed and idea. Uh, You're just getting to your MVP. The next one is we've launched something, and now we're building it into a major corporation. And the third one is running the major corporation. So one, two, and three. At level three, it's all about avoiding losses. Indeed. Right. So nobody wants to stick their neck out and take the risk. And so nobody does it. But at stage three, that's when you can most afford to have that loss, if you will, in the event that the 10x doesn't come by. Yeah. Look at the size of the write downs that large corporations take, you know, without blinking. It doesn't even affect their stock price. Exactly. It's quite amazing. What we're saying is if you had only a 1% chance that you could make that Ten, uh, excuse me, the, the billion bucks, right? You're going to see 10 million. It's not usual that it would be 1%, right? You wouldn't take that risk at the 1%, but maybe you'll take the risk at the 10%. So 10% then of that billion dollars, right? That's already $100 million. Uh, what I'm really saying is the real numbers are actually much closer, or excuse me, much further apart, right? The real numbers make it much further apart. You would have less than a million dollars, even if you had a 99% chance that you could make another million bucks. 99%. Woohoo. Wow. Right? right? So now we do have to take a break. And I want to bring this discussion after the break back down to some practical understanding of why this happens and how our CEOs can avoid it happening, the, the, the risk aversion. So we'll come back after a break at CEO Coach. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. We're back with Julia Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with Jillian Music, and we are talking today about whether it's more advisable to incrementally increase your company's products and revenues by 10% or whether it's better to go for the 10x big pie in the sky, if you will, to right, shoot, the, moon shoot the moon. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to quote a little bit from this article that we got. It's library.gv.com, it, an intriguing article on this website. And we'll put the link over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash CEO coach podcast. So check that out there. It says Kodak was a 10% company, but they needed to be a 10X company. 10X is a moonshot, an order of magnitude improvement. If you're only thinking 10%, then you're taking the obvious path that everybody else is on. 10X requires a whole new mentality. If Kodak executives had asked, what would it take for the world to snap one trillion photos a year, a new understanding would have emerged. And clearly, you wouldn't get there by selling film. So the first thing is ask a better question. Yes, yes. The next one was about the the Swiss watchmakers and so on. All of these are good examples. But really what they're saying is you must ask a better question. And again, Anne, you and I talk about that all the time. We see, for example, venture capitalists as well as angels investing in companies that are asking comfortable questions. Can we make this 10% better? So there's another element too about asking better questions and it has to do with understanding what business you're really in. You know, longtime Kodak CMO Jeffrey Hazlett, uh, former CMO, said that Kodak really failed to recognize that the business they were in was not film nor hardware cameras, but they were in the business of preserving memories and creating the only product that someone would run into a burning house to save. And mm-hmm. they they did not have their eye on that's what they were doing. And so they protected the film and lost the ranch. Right. Right. I think that happens incredibly frequently. There are probably a hundred stories that our listeners are thinking of now that relate to the same thing. One more piece that's really interesting is how you bring that home in your own company, right? What do you do to get to that stage, if you will, right? So to demonstrate how you might learn from failure because there is a large uh, amount of failure that happens as you shoot for that 10x, right? In order to get to that 10x improvement, you have to get, you know, used to this, right? So to demonstrate how we learn from failure, there were two artists, Ten Orland and David Whalen. They relate the story of a ceramics teacher. 
the teacher found herself teaching a class meeting on two separate days, neatly divided in half. So she tried an A-B experiment. To the first half of the class, she said, you'll be saying, excuse me, what she'd been saying for years, right? That's you'll be graded on the quality of your work. Right now, often a company will do the same thing. You'll be graded on the quality of your work. At the end of the semester, you turn in the single best piece of pottery that you have created. To the other half of the class, she says something very different. She says to them, you'll be graded purely on quantity. Crank out as many pots as you can this uh, semester. And what you find that both David and Ted said, what is what you need to know about the next piece is contained in the last piece. At the end of the term, she noticed that the best pots, both technically and artistically, did not come from the quality group. They came from the quantity group. What happens when you tell people that you're going to be graded on the quality of your work is that it's actually, if you will, short-term thinking. That's what companies do at every stage. They look for the next quarter or the next you know, half year, and they say, how much can we improve right now? They don't look at the long term. So by making pot after pot after pot, this second group was learning and adapting. And they didn't set out to make the best pots, but they did. The other half spent the entire semester aiming for perfection and kept falling short. Interesting. So what you're doing is taking away some of that fear, right? Just do quantity. Keep trying more iterations and the right iteration will present itself. It's a numbers game. I think there's a lot of truth in that. And I also like what uh, Ed Catmull at uh, Pixar said. If you aren't experiencing failure, then you are making a far worse mistake. You are being driven by the desire to avoid it. Here we go. Risk aversion. Um, yes. The same thing keeps popping it up. And I like to think that, you know, fear is a useful emotion. It keeps us from, you know, stepping off 10-story buildings and things like mm-hmm. that. But it sure is a bad place to make decisions, you know. It gets to ride in the back of the Mm -hmm. minivan, to quote Elizabeth Gilbert, and not make decisions. It's just along for the ride. That's right. Yes, it does. It comes along for the ride, but doesn't get to make decisions. The the other piece that, that I think we also learned from this article was around using the data, not opinions. And again, we talk about that all the time, but this kind of, you know, sets it out nicely. Jim Barksdale, the former CEO of Netscape, famously once said, if you have facts, present them and we'll use them. But if you have opinions, we're going to use mine. <laughs> And, I like you know, that. That makes what a all the sense in the world, right? I mean, yes, he's the leader, right? It's like you agreed to work with me and for me for this company, and you know who's running the damn thing. It's me. It's the CEO. So, you know, the opinions come from here. But really, facts, he's willing to take them in, right? So so not getting your ego involved in making those decisions, again, metrics-driven decisions makes all this difference. How are you going to do that, and how are you going to get enough of it? The answer is make more pots. Don't make, try to go for perfection because perfection is in the eye of the beholder. That's opinion. And that really clearly separates it. I thought that was quite interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So right. there's another perspective that I'm not sure I quite get. So I want to toss it up to you. And that, that was something in this, uh, Ken Norton also quoted Astro Teller at Google X. It's often easier to make something 10 times better than 10%. Because using existing goals and assumptions to make improvements is more difficult. Yes. Tell me how you tease that apart for me and our listeners. So what Astra was talking about, it's often easier to make something 10 times better 
I think what he was really saying is that if you look It's kind of counterintuitive, right? Yeah. It recognizes that finding the next 10% means using the existing tools and assumptions, right? We start with what we've got and we start with, I don't know, whatever software you've been using and so on. You say, how can I eke something a little bit better? With 10 times improvement, you throw everything else out because it's not possible to get there. Once you've thrown out your current assumptions, then you're looking at these final goals, right? You're no longer looking at how to make a better camera. You're looking to how to get the world to take these, what is it, you know, three trillion photos. Whatever it was, trillions of photos, right? Right? Uh, It was the same thing John Kennedy said when he said, we're going to go to the moon. It was about impact. He didn't say, let's send up 20 rockets with a stretch goal of 25, He said, let's get a man to walk on the moon. And nobody had ever really been outside Earth to speak of. I mean, we barely put our foot outside, right? And now you want us to get to the moon. So completely throw everything else out and then solve the problem. And I think that's what Astro's talking about. It's actually easier to get there because you are not mired, never mind grounded, but you're not mired in any current thinking whatsoever. Then you just go for pie in the sky and say, well, if that were possible, what would it look like? And you work your way backwards. Yeah, and then I think of companies like uh, Airbnb and Uber, you know, who really started from nothing. You know, if they'd been thinking in 10%, where would they be today? It wouldn't be working. They did not say, how can we make taxi rides uh, a better experience for consumers? They said, how can we provide uh, transportation to meet the needs of the millennial population. And they said, well, they want to do things this way. They want to do things that way. They need, you know, vehicles uh, at, you know, different times and so on. How are we going to get them all moving? And they came up with this thing like surge pricing, right? They took something from general economics that says supply and demand, and they added surge pricing. That had never been part of the entire concept of a taxi system. Right? They, they distributed the workforce and said, well, why don't we just let anybody who's got a vehicle that is appropriate to the service here, you know, permit them to monetize the product they already own. Right? We see that there is requirement for incremental employment on the planet. We can leverage that. Nobody had ever equated that with the transportation system. Yep. Right. So they, they pulled in all these other things, right, and created something quite new. And we see that happening again and again. You and I, for example, just uh, knew of a new startup here called Rentus, R-N-T-U-S, right? Rentus just launched, and it's all about monetizing the junk that's in your garage. Good. You can lend out your saw and your, your uh, you know, hammer and whatever it is, and you can make a few bucks with it. You can rent it out for a little bit to your neighbors. So that on that happy note, we need to take a break. And when we come back, let's see if we can pull this all back into some useful summaries for our, our CEOs who are listening. We'll be right back with CEO Coach. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. 
As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. We're back with Julia Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with Jillian Music, and we are talking about big, big ideas, all based on a keynote speech done by Ken Norton at a product conference, Mind the Product, in uh, London last quarter, and Jillian, I think that we've covered a lot of really big ideas and looked at some colossal failures like Kodak and, and to some extent, the Swiss watchmaking industry. What can we tell our startup CEOs? What can they learn from this kind of discussion? Okay. So I think that there is value to both sides of this coin, making things incrementally better. And there are mindsets of the people who will work with you, parts of your team, right? There are mindsets that are suitable to that. There are far more mindsets suitable to the 10% than there are to the 10x. It's in incredibly important that you have a strong team of 10x thinkers and then hand that off to the 10% thinkers to improve over time. Right? It, it says that there should be a balance inside your organization as you grow. But get, bring it back to this article again. It says that 10x thinkers, you know, how do you find those guys, right? They are bothered by limitations, but they don't surrender to them. So here's the example that was used in the article. They said too often we surrender to these external impediments. The computer doesn't have enough memory. The user's internet connection is too slow. The CPU isn't fast enough. It costs too much. It takes too long. Right? We bump into those walls and walk away if we are 10% thinkers. The 10x thinkers do not. They get bothered by them, but they look for ways around them. And that's that out-of-the-box thinking, right? They just look around the corners. So these things that they can do, right, they blow through the problems. They say, for example, two-thirds of the world's Internet population does not have reliable Internet access. 
So at Google, the scientists and engineers formed a team called Project Loon, and they use weather balloons to bring reliable connectivity to underserved populations. Who would have thought of using a weather balloon to bring it? Right. But it can. Right. You just look at it and you say, well, how the heck do we bring it there? I don't know. Let's put it up in the air and float it around. Right. So whether Project Loon succeeds or not remains to be seen. Right. But they're trying it. And these 10x thinkers are not backing down when they bump into a wall. Right. If this one doesn't work, they'll figure out something else. Right? They'll blow it through the wind. Who knows what? In the early days of Amazon, the company didn't have warehouses. So if the customer bought a book, they placed an order with distributors, and they often insisted on minimum order sizes. So this delayed the shipping until enough book orders trickled in to reach the minimum. So if Amazon wanted to sell 10% more books, they might have had to cope with this. But Amazon wanted to be a 10x company, so they were simply bothered by the limitation. They found a loophole in the form of perpetually out-of-stock books, which they used to reach the minimum. Yep. Uh, Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So the point is that you have to find the thinkers who think that way. Those are your 10x, and you're going to need a core of them. Once they've done that sort of thing, like, you know, once the loon project is out there, maybe those weather balloons are not perfect. That's when you hand it over to your 10% thinkers to make them more, I don't know, weather resistant. Mm-hmm. The process so, people. Exactly. Exactly. I think that success lies in the balance of 10x and 10% and in recognizing the talents and the attributes that the 10x thinkers will have. Once you have a core of those, you're far more likely to succeed. So how do our startup CEOs, our small companies, how do they approach this? Because they have to have a vision. That is incredibly important, but somebody also has to be uh, minding the increments to get the products out. I mean, how do you put the balance in a smaller company? In the the very smallest company, I would say work almost exclusively on 10x. And in order to increase the likelihood that you're going to reach your 10x, you know, moving it from 1% chance that you'll do that, I would say follow the trends. And you and I do that when we invest in companies, right? We're following trends. Again, this bread-approved company, right? We're following the trend that there's an aging population on the planet. The world is physically getting older, right? It is the humans Mm -hmm. on the planet physically getting older, right? right? So we're betting on that trend. And with that, there is a declining mobility. And then there are all of these accommodations required for it. It's a water that lifts all ships. So again, the example, it's listed here in this article again. There's an example around Amazon, right? If you compared Amazon in 1995 to Amazon in 2015, the growth is astounding. But over those 20 years, internet uh, users grew 70 times, Right, Amazon.com executed flawlessly. They were also strapped themselves to that rocket ship. They had bet on the trend that this internet thing was not a you know pie in the sky and, a, and just you know a fly by night. Right? They bet on that master trend and they won. Right? So you have to bet on the next trends. It increases the chances of winning with the 10x theory. There you go. You heard it here. And now we have to go. We're out of time. So sorry. Till next week, Jillian. 
And with that, we'll call it a day for this Monday at CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our producers at webmasterradio.fm for their continuing support. You can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more on facebook.com slash CEO Coach Podcast, and you can learn more about Ann Kennedy and myself and what we do at outlinesventure.com. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.